0: Pull up a chair and buckle up. It's the Original Strength Podcast. Hey everyone, today I am talking with my friend Brian Justin. Brian is a teacher at the University of the Fraser Valley in Canada, so of course he is Ryan Reynolds approved. Brian is a fantastic strength and conditioning coach, teacher, somatic educator. That's right, he's a strength and conditioning coach and a somatics educator. And he is also a superhero fanatic. So Brian and I had a wonderful time talking about movement and superheroes. This is a great conversation that I think you're going to enjoy. Brian, tell us uh, a little bit about
1: your background. Okay, so uh, so I I've, I've, I have an interesting background because I have a very varied background. I grew up in a really, really tough neighborhood of Scarborough, Ontario. Uh, it's well known to be uh, an area of gang violence and and uh, drug dealings and everything else. And so I came up with a pretty um tough sort of environment but the one thing that sort of kept me grounded was as as we as you know already my, my superheroes and um and so my my um my first love of superheroes was the incredible hulk and and uh, with Lou Frigno way back in the oh. original yeah back in the original days and so that kept me away from the game of Thrones because it, it, brought, it brought me into training it brought me into playing sports and so it kept me away from what could have been a bad environment and so um So I'm pretty thankful for that. And then of course, this this obsession with superheroes and stuff then later on in life, but put me into uh, sports science. And so I I did a degree in kinesiology and um, really just loved the whole idea of looking at human performance, looking at movement, how we can change our physiology. And then, um, and then went on to my master's degree because I wanted to thought well, it would be cool to teach this. So, so I went on to the master's that specialized in in me and sort of rehabilitation and sort of sport performance at the same time. And uh, then that led me to my job now, where I work as a uh, kinesiology instructor at the University of the Fraser Valley here in Chilliwack, BC. So we moved from Ontario to BC, and. Um, And so, uh, and so I I do that. And then I also work with clients uh, using uh, to help them with pain because my big goal of mine was to, how can I use movement to get people out of pain so that they can do the things that they want to do?
0: That's awesome. So you're kind of different though, because you mentioned performance and strength and conditioning, but you said also somatics, like when, when we were talking earlier, um, what that, those two terms don't always go together in my world like strength and conditioning and somatics um and and like you know most most people in the somatic world if you say strength and conditioning they may think uh maybe meatheadish and and most people in the strength and conditioning world if you mention somatics they may think uh that i don't even know what they think maybe woo-woo or imaginative or touchy-feely um how how in the world do you combine those two things for yourself
1: you know that that's a great question, and you know it came down to a, a, a common. Um, I think one of your friends, and then one of my, uh, I guess you could say, distant mentors, Dan John. And so I I was looking at this book because I'm a little bit of a a bit of a book nut. I love books and I love reading things. And and I saw this book called Move Without Pain by uh, by Martha Peterson. And then I looked on the back and it said and it had a, had a testimonial from Dan John saying that everyone needs to be doing these exercises. And I was like, you know, I really respected Dan John and I, and I thought, you know, I'm going to get this book and take a look at this and see what was going on. And, um, and then I tried the exercises, nothing happened. (laughs) I was like, I was like, this isn't working. What's going on here? I'm missing something. And so, um, and so I thought, okay, well, I'm going to put it away. I'm going to put it away. And I even bought, uh, now her, her work is based on the work of Tom Hanna, uh, Dr. Tom Hanna. And so I ended up buying his book, but guess what? I bought his book long before Martha Peterson's book. So as as part of my journey of being a trainer, I I went through the Czech uh, program as well, the Paul Czech program, and he recommended the the Tom Hennis Semantics book. I bought it. It wasn't really well illustrated. It was interesting. And I thought, well, you know, the illustrations weren't that good. And I liked the illustrations, I guess. And uh, so I kind of put that book away. This was back in the 90s. And uh, And then I picked up Martha's in the 2000s. Tried out her exercises didn't really do much. And then I went to her workshop. And it was there that everything made sense. And so she taught me how to do them properly because I was not embodying what I was supposed to be doing. I was just doing them as just a mechanical exercise, just go through the motions, just go through the reps and do your thing. But I wasn't feeling what I was supposed to feel. I wasn't uh, scanning my body. I wasn't paying attention. And so her program, the initial, um, um, somatic education coach program got me doing that. And now here's the funny story about this. At that time, I had really, really, really bad, uh, trigger points in my calf. Like it was, it would be so sore. I had to foam roll them every day. And so when I went to Calgary to do her course, I had to, uh, Walked to her program thirty minutes each day, and and the first day I was like, "Oh, these my cap my trigger points are really sore. So she took us through some um some exercises for the different reflexes that we can talk about later, of course, if you want. Um, and then the next day I, I walked to the program and walked home, and I realized something's different, but I didn't really kick into what that was until later on that night, and I thought, my trigger points, I didn't have to roll today. I didn't have to roll or do anything with my thumbs or anything like that, and they and they've been gone ever since. Wow never came back. And uh, and it's because I was a major green light reflexer. And so and so when she taught me how to do the exercises, I was like, now this makes so much sense. And I was hooked. I was hooked at that point. And so it became part of my practice. And I thought, you know what, this is kind of the yin and yang of strength and conditioning, because strength and conditioning is all about building tension and, and uh, you know, making sure you lift well while you build tension to hold your positions. And I thought, no, totally necessary when you're doing lifts, lift, heavy lifts. But then semantics was about undoing that tension so you can move throughout life. And so I thought, oh, my gosh, this is like the best cool down. This is the best, you know, restorative workout you could do on an off day. Um, And so then I've been hooked ever since. That'd be 2015 that I I started that.
0: So by combining the two, you're actually able to achieve balance, really. Totally.
1: Absolutely. And the the, the cool part was, is that because with semantics, the big emphasis is on being able to Release your muscle under control. It also helped my ability to eccentrically control the workloads that I was doing in the gym. So when I was front squatting or doing any kind of lift, it you know I could I could actually I had way better control and way better awareness of my eccentric um, ability um, when I was you know you know controlling gravity, so to speak.
0: So, what does it mean to embody the movements, though? What is that? What is embodiment?
1: So it just means like really to pay attention. <laughs> and so to put it into your body, you're not just you're not just intellectualizing it. You're actually trying to you know not just like for example, if I do an arch and flatten, for example, yep, I'm going to extension. I'm going into flexion, right? And that would be my mechanical mind that would just say, okay, that's what that's what I'm doing. But now um, with embodying it, I'm actually paying attention to who's put me into extension and how am I releasing out of that motion. And I love that part of it is that, you know, who's putting me there? And then now who has to release to get me out of it? How can I get out of these things? And that's really the most important thing because in order to drop tension in our bodies, uh, we have to be able to release out of a certain posture. And if you try and force it, it just, you end up being, you end up getting tired, really. But if you end up learning how to release it, you can then do it with a lot less uh, energy required.
0: And how does that? Like, how did that allow you to overcome those reflexes you were talking about?
1: Okay, yeah. So uh, what happened was, I, guess I, I was, a, I love deadlifting. And that was one of my, that's one of my biggest and most fun exercise. And I, I did a lot of it um, prior to that, prior to that time where, where I met with Martha. And so, um, so I was heavily green light reflex. So maybe I should just talk a little bit about the reflexes. That's okay. Yeah, yeah, go for it. So so Tom Hanna identified with the stress response uh, three different reflexes. So he has the green light reflex, which is when all the posterior muscles um, start to tighten up. And so it's kind of like your fight of the fight or flight. And then you have the red light reflex, which kind of like puts you into that horrible computer posture, so all the front muscles start to tighten up. And so um, uh, you probably see a lot of that now with all the computer driven stuff that we have to do nowadays. And then we have the trauma reflex, which usually comes off of an injury or some sort of imbalance where you're, you know, side tilted or rotated. And, um, and so what they found in me was that I had this green light reflex. So my posterior muscles were just completely held with a lot of tension and it made a lot of sense because that's why I was getting these trigger points on the back of my calf and, and stuff like that. And so, so now, uh, and so now and being able to release out of those, um, uh, the power postures, I was able to then relax those muscles so they could actually recover properly. And so, uh, so it required me to do the, the arch and flatten exercise, you know, the, the, the lift exercise, and then the arch and curl exercise. And those exercises were just designed to contract yourself into those muscles that you're using and then learning how to release out of them. So how can we turn them off? And, uh, you know, and you know, who was interesting when I, when I started doing those exercises, a, a thought came to mind was Bruce Lee, because Bruce Lee was all about how can you relax your muscles so you, then you can violently turn them on and create this powerful punch that he created with the the one inch punch and so that I know that this is a weird thought to do. While I was doing with all these smacks something got a bruce lee Bruce Lee quote in my head but um but but it made sense to me and then so what ended up happening was I started feeling a lot less tension in those muscles
0: so are you when you train people or teach people, um, do you bring both worlds together in your, in your teaching or, or is that a progression that you use?
1: Yeah, that one's a, that, uh, it's kind of a progression because, um, what I often do is I have to try and do them on different days to, to change their mindsets a little bit, because semantics is very new to a lot of people. And a lot of people sometimes don't want to invest the time to, to learn it because it does take a, like, for me, it would take me a whole, like, 45 minutes to an hour t- training session to get them just through understanding arch and flatten and maybe one other movement. And so they have to be willing to, to, to uh, want to learn it. And so, um, so in the meantime, I'll do other things with them. So I'll do foam rolling. I'll do other flexibility methods with them. And then, and, and then when they start to, st- you know, are getting slow progression, I'll be like, you know, do you want to try something called somatics? It's great for movement restoration. It's great for recovery. Uh, but it does take us some time to learn how to do. Are you willing to commit to doing that? And if they are, then we go ahead. But if they're not, then I don't, because what I don't want to do is have them do the movements and then have them do it sort of in a nonchalant way. And then they don't get results of it and then they get put off by it. So I just want to make sure they're fully committed. So I have to, I have to sort of tread in both worlds. So I maybe start them off with strength and conditioning and then sort of bring it up over time, say, Hey, this might help your recovery. And then, if I put it in that regard, sometimes they're more willing to do it. If I tell them, "Hey, let's do some somatics," a lot of times they'll they'll equate that with, "Oh, I'm doing some metaphysical woo-woo," as you mentioned earlier, right thing. And uh, and so if I talk about, you know, it's like movement recovery, then suddenly they want to do it. And then and then and then that's how I sort of tweak it because not everyone wants to do it uh, right away. That's for sure.
0: The. Do you find it's easier if you get them to experience it? Like, especially, um, like, well, one, you had the experience that the trigger points went away in your calves. Um, do, you, do you use it to help people experience that maybe a performance uh, goal that they want is easier to achieve or they can, or, or the, the, just something's easier in the, in the gym or the weight room? Totally.
1: That's what I'll try and do. I'll try and say, hey, you know, let's do this assessment. And uh, they might be like, let's say I know they're tight in their lower back. I might have them do a toe touch. And I'll be like, okay, how does your toe touch look? Oh, maybe it doesn't look very good or maybe they're at their shins. And I'll say, okay, let's try this exercise. So I might do like a mini, mini lesson with them that they take about 15, 20 minutes. And then they'll notice that their tension starts to drop in their lower back. And then they get up and they do a toe touch again. They're like, wow, I went a lot further. And I'm like, yeah, and and, and we didn't do anything. We didn't do anything other than release some of that tension that you were holding in that lower back area. And they might then they might be spurned onto it. So sometimes I have to use assessments to get them to, um, to get them to buy into it a little bit.
0: You also said you really love helping people um, move to get out of pain. Yes. How does, how does, how does that work?
1: Yeah. So a big thing for uh, me was trying to get rid of barriers. And I think that's the reason why I went into kinesiology in the first place was how can I get rid of people's barriers? And so I've, I've been using different things. So like I, I've been using PNF stretching, or I've been using uh, active isolated stretching, or or strength, strength conditioning, so I just try to sort of put things together um, in a sort of a hodgepodge. Maybe sometimes it's just a lifestyle thing where they just have to breathe better. Um, so, so uh, what I did was I created something called the systemless system of, uh, and that's that's based on Bruce Lee again, uh, just in the system of assessing painful movement dysfunction. And so I I started to learn from everybody. So I said, okay, I'm gonna learn from National Academy of Sports Medicine. I'm gonna learn from the Czech Institute. I'm gonna learn from Gary Gray. Um, Now I'm currently looking at Gary Ward stuff. And I thought, you know, all these people are doing subtle different things, but they're getting really good results. And so getting into the pain world, I started noticing that everyone debates um, and not only debates, but fights too much. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so i thought well you know like why are we fighting the, the real enemy is the pain right and so these people are getting really really good results so i started studying from a lot of different people so it brought me into shirley sarman's work it brought me into um like mcgill's Stuart mcgill's work it brought me to a lot of areas and i thought oh my gosh how can i take all this these different methods and try and put them together so i created the systemless system of uh, making boom parents where i'm just going to combine it all and so, um, so then, uh, my session now, if someone's in pain, I will go through a lot of different areas with them. So a biopsychosocial approach to say, okay, what are some of the biomechanical things that are affecting them? What are some of the uh, social things that are affecting them? What are some of the psychological things that are affecting them? And then whatever ends up being the most sort of problematic is where I'll kind of go first. So if I notice it's their psychosocial system is really amped up because maybe they hate their job or they're so stressed out or that sort of thing i might offer somatics right up front and say hey you know this might be really good for you to do right now because if i just hammer you with this program i'm just adding more stress to you and if i um but if i try to so, do semantics you might be able to bring things down a little bit get you more calm get your body to have less tension and then we can start bringing in some strength and conditioning uh so you know depending on what i find out with them is where I'll go. If there's more social issues, then maybe, you know, I may have to send them to someone else as a referral to maybe look at some of the other things that are affecting them uh, in their life. So, so it's kind of like, uh, I don't really have, I tried to make an algorithm, uh, my last sabbatical project, I thought I'm going to make this algorithm where we can do all this. And I created one and then I looked at it uh, for pain and for movement impairments. And I looked at it and I go, I wouldn't follow this because it's too constricting. And so then that's when the system, the system came into play because I don't know what walks in my door half the time.
0: (laughs) So really then the systemless system allows you to actually see the person in front of you and, and start with whatever it is they need.
1: Exactly. Exactly. To meet them where they're at. That's really what the goal was because when I looked at my algorithm, I thought, you know, they could tell me this and if I follow my algorithm, well, I'm going to miss helping them where they need to be helped and so i had to trash that whole thing I spent a few months trying to put these things together and then i thought you know i gotta trash this and go with something different and- do you have a
0: do you have a cool story of uh like a specific type of pain you helped somebody um get over or like like or life-changing uh moment for somebody
1: i did um what we well it was it was when I was giving somatic classes and so um, so it wasn't really a strength and conditioning sort of uh, environment. It was more where we just give classes in series, and so it was for their low back. And we had this one person who was uh, well you know on their way to to buying a scooter essentially um, to be able to get to get mobile and and they can only walk ten minutes sort of um, you know in a and very painful for them. And so the very first day they came in, they were kind of skeptical, they kind of looked at me like, uh, you know, I've tried a lot of things, you know, let's, you know, let's see what you can do sort of thing. And I'm like, okay, let's uh, go here. Let's try it out. And so the first day, all we learned literally was arch and flatten. It's a very simple exercise for, um, it's, it's sort of the, your, your main introductory exercise to get things going. And she got up and she looked at me and she's like, that stuff really kind of works. Cause I've never felt any kind of release in these back muscles ever until right now. And I was like, okay, great, great. So, you know, I was really happy about that. Now we went through this six week series, then they had to go six weeks and try it on their own. And now they're walking two hours pain-free by the end of it. So from 10 minutes of painful walking to over two hours of, of, um, of walking and, uh, and, you know, not feeling that pain that they once did. And so for me, that was, that was that that essentially fulfilled the um my goal my my goal was to how, how can I help people you know not get rid of barriers so that they can be active and move and so when I saw that transition I was like wow this is amazing because I was even worried honestly by for myself doing it about am I gonna be able to help this person is this is this gonna be able to work because you know you just you know this person's been like this for a while and uh, to see that transformation was awesome and it was just like. I'm like, you know, I told her, you you're a superhero for yourself,
0: because you did, you
1: did it, you did the work, and you became your own superhero.
0: Yes, that is awesome. I, yeah. For so for everybody listening at home, because I'm assuming most people listen instead of watch or whatever. Can you can you explain what the arch and platen is just to sure. give people a visual image or an an imaginative image?
1: perfect yeah so so how it starts off is that so the person would be lying supine on their back and their knees would be bent to a comfortable you know uh knee flexion range so whatever they feel comfortable kind of like if you were starting a bridge exercise and so the first thing we would do is we would get them to breathe in and so they're and to connect to their breath so they can they breathe in 360 so you know i start with them diaphragmatically breathing then i put their hands on their ribs and then have them learn how to Get that lateral expansion and then even to feel their back going into the ground as they breathe. Um, that whole 360 and I sort of explained to them if you were at a birthday party, you know, and you blew up a balloon, the whole thing goes up. So just like when you breathe in, I want to see that whole 360 happen with your breathing. And I first connect them to that. And that usually takes me about 10, 10 to 15 minutes to just to get them to connect to that breath. Because most people when they come in, they're freaked out from work, they're breathing through their mouths. And so I just get them to breathe through their nose. And just to sense that awareness of their breath and then as they continue to get that sense of awareness of their breath i have them breathe in and i go hey you notice that when your abdomen's going towards the ceiling your back kind of wants to follow it so what i want you to do is contract your low back muscles and just sort of follow that breath so now you're going to go into an arch and just go comfortably into this arch and then i'll say okay now hold it there and then now take those low back muscles and pretend you got a dimmer switch on it and then slowly turn them off so you're just turning down the volume and then let them nicely fall. And then and while they're doing that, I'll try and get them to now say, Can you feel any gaps? Do you feel like there's like a does it's a nice smooth elevator ride, or is it like a bumpy turbulent ride all the way down back to the ground again? And so I'll have them do that for a few repetitions. So I'll say, you know, let's go three repetitions on your own. Let's try that. And then I'll then reverse it and say, Okay, now we're going to do the flattened part. So now what I want you to do is to breathe in, but don't arch your back this time. Exhale and then flatten your back. Uh, towards the ground gently, feel the abdominal muscles now. Now, like the the same abdominal, like the same dimmer switch you put on your low back muscles. Let's put it on your abs. Turn them off one by one and slowly, slowly let your back come back to neutral. So then they practice that for three or four repetitions. And then once they do that, I get them going to do it together. Okay, now we're gonna breathe in and arch. Exhale, turn the dimmer switch down, let your back fall to the ground. As soon as it touches the ground, start to flex. Your abdominals and flatten your lower back, and then turn off your abdominal muscles and take as many breaths as you need to get back to neutral. And so I'll start with that, and then once they start to get that idea, then I say, okay, now this is a full spinal exercise. We got to get your head involved now too. So now, as you breathe in and arch, let your chin fall down towards your sternum, and then and then as you use the dimmer switch, let your back float down to the ground. Let your head come back to neutral. And then now as you flatten, let your chin rise up. And and, uh, and then I'll make the connection of when your chin rises up, notice your sternum drops and you get that nice, really rounding and stretching of those lower back muscles. So I'll, then I'll go on with that and then get them to doing the full sort of spinal motion. And, um, and then if I really want to get crazy with them later, I'll then have them do diagonals where they go into one side of their pelvis to one side of their ribs and then the other way. And that one really throws them for a mind loop because if they've played any one-sided sport, they're good on one side and they're horrible on the other. They can't feel it. They're like, I don't know where I'm going. Where are you asking me to go, Brian? And um, so that's sort of how I would I would uh, sort of um, start off with the arch and flat, and that'll take me a good half an hour to get through uh, that. If I was to if I was just to run that whole um, that whole gamut there and get them to feel it, but it's always about trying to connect them to their body. What are you feeling? Do you notice these things? What do you notice about your movement? Is it gappy? I mean, that gappiness, we call it sensory motor amnesia. It just means your brain doesn't have control of that muscle being able to turn it off. And so we want to be able to get them to turn on and then turn off. And so um, so that's how I would typically, I guess, compressing that into a very short time here. Uh, that's how I would sort of um, um, coach that. And Hopefully that came across
0: clear. Now, that was... Amazing. So matter of fact, if you're listening at home, that section that Brian just talked about, is probably worth listening to again and trying it because if you can get that, that's life changing.
1: Yeah, it is so life changing. And you know what the thing is, animals do this all the time. It's called pendiculation. And so when we do uh, somatics, we're we're doing a technique called pendiculation where you contract in and slowly release out and dogs do that 42 times a day.
0: 42 times a day. Yeah.
1: Wow. So when we see them do that whole little uh, little thing that they do, they're actually yeah. pendiculating. And then, when, and then we wake up in the morning as humans, we breathe, we we uh, we um, we sort of do that. Oh, oh that yeah, exactly. That's a pendiculation. And so we just need to do that a little bit more than often than than we do.
0: So we, we pendiculate maybe once. <laughs> <laughs>
1: exactly, exactly once. And so we need to we need to start following our, our uh, little furry friends <laughs> and following
0: and that could be a great superhero right there. Pendiculation Man.
1: Oh, there we go. There we go. I like it. I like so, it.
0: So speaking of superheroes, because um, you're you're a big superhero fan, a um, couple of questions. Okay. DC or Marvel? Uh,
1: I love Marvel, but um, I'm definitely a Marvel person. But in DC, I love the Flash and I love Batman. I love Superman. I, I love those three. Um and actually I like I like Wonder Woman too, so I like those four, but I'm more of a Marvel, more of a Marvel fan.
0: Before or after the recent movies of the 15 years, or did that does that play into it?
1: But, you know, that does uh play into it a little bit. See, I when I'm growing up, as a when I read the comics, it was always Spider-Man, Hulk, and then Superman. So Superman was my DC representation, and then Spider-Man and the Hulk were my Marvel representation. But um, but you know, I I I kind of was a little bit um uh, biased though because those was the only comics i had access to <laughs> so if i had access to more who knows what might have happened
0: right right. um okay so best well who's your f- uh, in marvel who's your favorite superhero
1: uh it's a th- tie between thor and hulk
0: oh good 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 i yeah. should have known the hulk yeah <laughs> uh in any world dc or marvel best mover
1: oh best mover Hmm best mover would have to be black panther
0: that's what i was thinking
1: yeah but if it's a tough one between black panther and spider-man because they're they've got they've got that going on And i guess on the other side it'd be flash for this for the speed
0: what what super power would you want the most out of all the superheroes you
1: know i I, it's so funny because i i had to to make myself think about this this morning because i thought i know tim's gonna ask me this and you know what it is Flash surprisingly I thought it would have been the Hulk strength but you know I love the fact that Flash can do so many different things and he actually technically in my mind could almost beat Superman because he could out he could phase through Superman if he he was evil he could phase through Superman fast enough and then do something to him and then and then defeat him that's that's sort of my theory I don't have any proof on that but
0: I mean so no so really though if you took all all creative limitations away from flash yeah he can do anything yeah right exactly But like he's only limited by his creativity that's right like i don't know if
1: you saw the latest flash where he's throwing lightning and then and then running on top of the lightning um as he goes through like he's he's coming up with new things that he can do all the time it's it's as he gets creative
0: no that yeah he i i i agree like i i think for me in dc i'm well in any any world superman um i'm hands down superman every time but yeah. superman batman and the flash are they are my favorites in dc yeah and and in marvel though like i love wolverine um well oh, yeah there's just something very human about wolverine but also his ability to overcome any injury it's just you know <laughs> that's that would be desirable <laughs>
1: totally totally what are your other two favorite marvels besides wolverine
0: oh man i love uh I I really do like Captain America but because he's a Boy Scout, just like, you know, kind of like Superman is. Um, and then and then but Spider-Man, I love Spider-Man.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, same with me. I love I Spider-Man, you know, I think took me through my hardest times growing up because I was that kid that was awkward. I was that kid that was skinny. And uh, and so Spider-Man, I really I really um, I really sort of took to his story. Very much so.
0: Yeah. And he's there's something about him too, where he's, he's always trying to do the right thing, he, but he is, he is uh, a kid. Um, and, but he's got a great sense of humor about himself. Totally.
1: Totally. Yeah, exactly. Any, he, any, he, any he struggles, like he makes it, he makes you feel more attached to him. Human wise too. I feel because he, he, he makes, he messes up. He, yes. he, you know, he's a superhero that messes up sometimes. He's not perfect and he gets it and he apologizes for it and he, moves on and tries to be better. And I love that about him.
0: So what did you think about the last Spider-Man movie that just came out a few months ago?
1: Oh, man, I I tell you, I loved it. I I saw it three times in the theater um, and I loved it every single time. I loved how they unified it because I thought, how are they going to unify all these Spider-Mans? And then when they did that, hopefully not a spoiler alert for the listeners, but... It's um, too late. late. They deserve (laughs) it by now. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And they unified it. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is so... Like, I mean, I teared up in certain spots. I was going to ask you,
0: did it give you the feels? <laughs> I did.
1: Oh, man, it gave me the feels, man. Oh, man. Like, even especially when um, uh, Aunt May died. Oh. And, oh, man, I lost at that part. And she said the same thing Ben Parker did in the other multiverse Spider-Man. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, this is this is killing me here. And then at the end, when they're all hugging each other. And and then, uh, but here's the one line that really got me in the movie that got me laughing was when uh, Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man. And he's like, are you in a band? Are you in a band? Because he's a musician in real life. And I didn't realize he was a musician in real life. But the way he said that, it was just so genuine.
0: <laughs> that was so well done. Um, but I'll tell you, when, he, when Andrew Garfield dove uh, to save Mary Jane, like I was, because, of the, the, you know, because in his world, his universe, his movie, I, like that, that made me hold my breath. It was weird.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm totally with you on that. And then, and then when he had that, when he was cry, crying as he held her and I was just like, oh my gosh. I was like. They, that was order. such,
0: it was such a true, like uh, closing the loop and like making people whole again movie. It was amazing.
1: Totally. Totally. I mean, I left, I left with such a good feeling. Like I left, like I left with like, I just felt so, I don't know. I don't know what the word is for I just felt amazing about it.
0: How can you not leave the theater watching something like that and not want to save the world or make the world a better place or just be a better person? Like, totally. Totally.
1: And, and especially with the, you know, the line when he says, you know, you're amazing. Just say it. You're amazing. And I was like, you know, that's so right on. And so that's exactly what I felt like when I left. I felt amazing. I was like, and exactly. I wanted to do, I wanted to do better at that moment right after. I said, I got to
0: do better. <laughs> Absolutely. um, I, Yeah, that was one of my all-time favorite movies. Uh, this is, it was great. Yeah. Um, Now on the darker side, flipping universes. How about the new spot, uh, new Batman movie?
1: Oh man, it was good. I, I I liked it. And, you know, I was I was really, I have to tell you, I was actually really, really um, skeptical.
0: Oh, well, me too. <laughs> I, I, was like, I was like, I don't know how this is going to
1: go. We got the Twilight guy coming in to play Batman. I don't know, like, how is this going to work out? But, you know, I felt like the way they filmed it, it put me into the movie. I felt like I was in the room with Batman. And, um, and it was so dark, but it was, yeah, it was, I don't know. It was just, it just brought me in. It, it brought me into the world. I felt like I was in this dark place.
0: I I actually lot like I didn't lose it that it was a superhero movie, but I thought it just if if he even took the cape and the mask off of him, it was a solid movie. Like it reminded me of the movie Seven with uh, Brad Pitt, Morgan Freeman. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah, totally. No, yeah, it was it was getting you know there's going to be a sequel now. They've they confirmed a sequel.
0: Well, they I mean they'd almost be crazy not to because that was a very it was a strong movie. Yeah
1: totally and they and they apparently they're bringing back uh in flash they're bringing back the
0: michael keaton batman yes now that i am i cannot be more excited because yeah. i'm batman he is batman <laughs> totally just... totally you know
1: i always thought like how is he gonna pull it off now and when i saw him, i was like he he pulled it off really well like it was well, yeah because so...
0: every you know you got it, the comedian guy mr mom's gonna play batman but he <laughs> <Like>, nailed it
1: <laughs> totally right totally and then he nailed Vulture and Spider Man.
0: I mean, he's oh, he, he, so well, good. he's just he's an amazing actor, just all around. Totally, he is. He is totally
1: awesome. So apparently, they're going to do like a multiverse Batman thing, like similar to what they did with Spider Man, where like Michael Keaton comes back. I'm not sure which one they're going to pick of the other ones. Whether they'll pick George Clooney or I don't know if they'll do that one or not. Or
0: that'll probably thought, be a
1: good one. Yeah, and then bring back Christian Bale as well, hopefully if he decides to do it. Oh, that would be amazing. Yeah, so I don't know if he'll do it, but well, hopefully he will. That'd be awesome. Then they can unify all the Batmans again. That would be that would be amazing.
0: Well, now you've got me excited. I didn't know any of that.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And if you love Batman, there's a great book. I'm not sure if you've read it already. You might have read it already called
0: Becoming Batman. Really, I've I have heard I it's like a real book it's not it's a, a comic real book.
1: book yeah it's a real book it's a real book it's written by one of my colleagues out here he's a, he's a university professor in kinesiology and he's obsessed with superheroes like we are and he's written three books he's, he's called inventing iron man becoming batman and then chasing captain america really and it's all about the physiology behind these heroes and what yeah. would batman have to be able to take in terms of pounds to to jump from this angle or Captain America you know how does he how does he regenerate and all these different things so he has all these different physiology you would absolutely love it you would absolutely love it his name is Paul Zinner the guy who um, wrote them and he's a fantastic professor but he also he wrote these three amazing books
0: that sounds right down my alley thank you oh
1: oh yes you will love them for sure
0: (laughs) Brian this has been so much fun thank you for sharing your time with us
1: Oh, you know, thanks for thanks for having me, Tim. It's been great. Uh, it's been great chatting with you and great to meet you, actually. And I've heard so much about you from Sarah. And it was nice to actually e, e- meet you.
0: Yes, this is awesome. Yep. I, uh, I will talk to you again after I see Dr. Strange. I got to get your take on it. Okay, we yeah, that's that's chat for sure. <laughs> thanks for listening, everyone. Now get outside and play.